I want to do something a little bit different tonight. Instead of sort of just diving in and, and starting to expound verse by verse, I actually want to read the entire passage. 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first eight verses is what we're going to be looking at tonight. And let's remember before we get into these verses tonight that again, the key to the entire letter of 1 Timothy is chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, where Paul is instructing this young pastor to instruct his people about how they should behave in the household of God and, and what it means to be part of the church of the living God. And again, let's be reminded that none of us, even when we become a Christian, we don't know what we should be. We have to be taught. We have to be trained. And that's why so many churches today and so many Christians are off course because they are not looking at the Bible as sort of their spiritual compass for either how to do church and what, what the church should be doing because this is God's design or even being a part of a church and participating in a church and investing in the church. Many Christians today don't see the need for that because they've never really been taught and trained of the necessity uh, of that in their lives. And, and we are, again, suffering because of the lack of the Word in the churches today. Because people just don't know how to do church anymore. So in this letter, it is really a prescription from the Apostle Paul to this pastor to say, this is how you teach your people at Ephesus how to do church. This is what it means to be part of the church, to be in the family of God. And so when we come to chapter 2, Paul wants to emphasize prayer. So let's look at these verses and then I have a few thoughts to share with you tonight. Paul says, first of all, then I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions and thanks be offered on behalf of all people, even for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Such prayer for all is good and welcome before God, our savior, since he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one eater intermediate. I can't say it. Intermediary. You know what I'm trying to say. Intermediary. Wow. Yeah, I should have practiced that more. Between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all, revealing God's purpose at his appointed time. For this I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, I am telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So I want the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. Let me take that one phrase in verse 8 first, just because some people are going to go, whoa, what's going on here? And then I want to go back and expound on the text tonight. The reason why Paul calls out men in particular is not, is not because women shouldn't pray in the church. That's not what Paul's teaching here. We welcome women to lead in prayer in the church. In fact, Nicole does it on Wednesdays and Sundays all the time. What Paul is calling out here is that the men should take the leadership 
in building an atmosphere and an environment for prayer within the church. Remember, studying the Bible in context is important. Paul here is not talking about our individual prayer life so much. It's talking about the, the attitude and the mindset that we as a church body, as a corporate community, should have towards prayer. Now, it doesn't mean that any of these uh, principles could not be applied to us personally. They can. But again, in the context, he's talking to the church as a community and saying, these are the things that are important before God that I want to share with you. So when he says, I want men everywhere, he's simply saying men in the church should take the leadership of being the ones that build an atmosphere and an environment for prayer. And we'll talk more about that at the end. You also notice there, though, also in verse 8, that Paul reminds us also that there is a direct correlation between effective prayer before God and the harmony in our human relationships. That's why he says, without anger and without dispute. Over and over again, the Bible says, how can I be in the right frame of mind to go to God and begin talking to him about things and asking him for things if there is all this disharmony between me and my brothers and sisters in Christ? In fact, Jesus even says, I'm reminding us all of this tonight, in the Gospel of Matthew when he says to those that are coming to worship him, He says, if you recall that as you're coming to worship me, there is something wrong between you and your brother, leave your gift. Get out of the temple and go and be reconciled first to your brother or sister and then come and worship me. So Jesus even places a a primacy, if you will, on harmony in our relationships. And there is again a direct correlation in the Bible between my prayers getting through and being answered and being effective and being efficient and the harmony that I have in my earthly relationships. Because again, how can I be in harmony with God if I'm out of harmony with my brothers and sisters in Christ or anyone else in my life? All right, so with that said, let's go back to first. Timothy chapter 2, and let's pick it up, first of all, looking at the first principle tonight, and that is prayer's importance. Prayer's importance. Notice the first three words, first of all. Now, these words primarily are not uh, talking about rank as far as priorities, though obviously we're going to see prayer needs to be a priority. But he's not so much talking about rank as he is talking about the importance of prayer in this way. He's talking about the timing of it. When when he uses the phrase, first of all, what he's saying to us is this. Before anything else, pray. At the beginning of something, pray. In other words, many times in our life, you know, prayer is like the last thing. It's like, we'll, we'll, we'll fret about something and we'll get all anxious about it for a while. And then we'll maybe talk to another human being about it. And then we finally get around to talking to God about it way on down the road. And Paul is saying that in the church, our first response, when things happen, when things come up, when when anything is going on, when there's a situation, first of all, before anything else, pray. You see, it's showing the importance that prayer should be. That instead of prayer being that way down the road, last resort type of thing, Prayer should be the first thing that pops into our mind when something comes up, when something comes into our life, 
when something comes into the life of our church, when we want to know something. As James says, if you lack wisdom, well then ask. In other words, first of all, talk to God about it. And so we see here prayer's importance. I would encourage you tonight in your individual prayer life to apply this principle that as things come up, don't wait to pray before you do anything else, before you start thinking about it even, before, just start talking to God. At the beginning of a situation, start talking to God about it. Before you and I react or respond, at the beginning, Paul says, let's pray. So it does talk about prayer's importance. Next, I want us to see, though, that in this passage, we also see prayer's invitation. Prayer is an invitation. It is an invitation to God to be part of whatever situation we are praying about. It's inviting God to be a part of it. That's what prayer is. When we are not praying, in a sense, then we are saying, God, I got this. Don't need you. Uh, Don't want to really know what your thoughts are on this. Don't want your opinion. Uh, Don't want to know what you have to say about it. Don't want your lead. Don't want your guidance or anything else. I got this, God. So when we pray, what we're doing is we're opening up ourselves to God. Say, God, I invite you in. I want to know what you think, God, about this. I want to know what your perspective on this is, God. I want to know how you feel about this. And so we are inviting God in to be a part of every situation that we pray about. I think that's why even in the Bible it says, hey, pray without ceasing. Pray, pray all the time. As as again, throughout the day, as things come up, invite God to be a part of it. God wants to be a part of it of everything in our life, not just certain things. And too often we relegate prayer to our prayer time, even as Christians, or only when we take the big crisis, big things, big rocks in our life to God, and we don't invite God to be a part of each and every detail of our life. Remember something. The reason why, one of the reasons why God created this vehicle of prayer, giving us access to Him, is because he won't force himself into our life. He won't force himself into a situation. So when we open up the door in a sense to heaven and we say, God, I want to talk to you about this, that's then giving God sort of the go-ahead, the green light, to go, okay, I'm coming in. You have invited me in through prayer. And you are now allowing me to be a part. It's showing God that we really want to know Uh, what he thinks, how he feels about something, and for him to get involved in the situation. I want us also to see tonight that prayer is not only important, prayer is not only an invitation, but prayer is an intersection. It's an intersection. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at these synonyms for prayer, you really cannot differentiate them too much. At least the first three. Requests, prayers, and intercessions. There's some very minor nuances of differences, but but primarily, they're just talking about prayer. But in all three of these, what you do see as you study the original language is that they all remind us that, that prayer, no matter what we want to call it, whether we want to call it requests, or intercession, or 
you know, prayer is that it is literally intersecting earth and heaven. That's what prayer does. It, it is intersecting heaven and earth together to where now what is happening on earth is being joined or united to what is going on in heaven. And, and it's the whole idea that the reason this, is, this concept is important is because one of the main aspects that God wants us to understand about prayer is that many times in our prayers, we're, we're seeking to, or should be at least, seeking to understand where God stands on something. How God feels about something. Because before we can even pray about something or pray for somebody else, we sort of need to know, God, what do you really think about this? How do you feel about this? So that we can align ourselves with God as we pray. And that's what this whole concept in these terms of intersecting between heaven and earth are really all about. In other words, think of our prayer time sometimes is just waiting and praying for the Lord to sort of show us what hits the mark with him. How he feels about something. Because let's face it, even in the Bible, there are instances where people go, I don't even know how I should pray. Like we might even have somebody that's going through something, a family member or a friend or something, and, and we even scratch our heads and go, I don't know really how I should pray for this. This is where this comes in. We have to be willing to spend enough time intersecting between heaven and earth and waiting on the Lord and listening to Him and being guided by Him and His Holy Spirit within us to where we begin to understand that's how God wants me to pray for this. That's, that's God's feelings about this. That's what hits the mark with God about this. And that's why intersecting between heaven and earth. You know, and so let me encourage you too. So sometimes people go, well, I'm not praying because I don't know how to pray. But see, God is saying, even if you don't know what to pray for or how to pray, come and talk to me. Let's start, let's start hanging out. Let's start communicating because as you spend time in my presence intersecting your life on earth with my presence in heaven I will begin to show you how I feel about this I will begin to reveal to you how you should pray for this and that's really what these terms are speaking about here prayer's importance prayer's an invitation prayer is an intersection but then notice the last one in this list, prayer's indebtedness. Because he does use a different term, totally unrelated to the others, but something that needs to be a very important part of our praying to God, and that is our giving of thanks. I, first of all then, urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered. Thanks. Every time we talk to God, there should be something that we're thankful for. Something that we're showing gratitude, appreciation, gratefulness to God for as we talk to Him. There should not be a time where, you know, we come to God and, and there's not thanksgiving. There's not gratitude. There's not gratefulness. And you'll notice that Paul says, 
I urge. <laughs> it's, it's like a buddy coming up next to us, putting his arm around and saying, come on, this is, this is what we need to do. It's, it's built from a close relationship. From somebody close beside me who comes alongside and said, this is what needs to happen. This is what we need to do. We need to see the importance of prayer. We need to invite God into our lives all the time. And we need to begin intersecting between heaven and earth so that we can align ourselves with the heart of God and understand that prayer is where God shapes our heart to be more like His. That's the big thing in prayer. So often as Christians, where we miss the boat is is we are primarily looking at prayer as how we can get God to change our circumstances and to change the people around us. But most of the time, God is going to use our time with Him not to change our circumstances, not to change the people around us, but to change us. To shape our heart to align with His. And that's why Paul says this is so important. And you also notice here a couple things with the word offered. A good translation in the net Bible of this word. It reminds us that prayer is really by being important to us and by inviting God in and, and being willing to intersect between earth and heaven. It's an act of worship. It's an offering. That's part of our worship is to pray. But also in this word offered is the idea that we've got to stop talking about prayer and even teaching on prayer all the time, and just as the shoe corporation says, just do it. Just practice praying. So many Christians over the years, how can I become better at praying? Just pray. Just pray. Just start talking to God and keep talking to God and get around other Christians and talk to God together and just Like anything in life, the more we practice something, the more proficient we get at it. And too often as Christians, we spend more time talking about prayer than we do actually praying in our life. So the word offered reminds us of that as well. So we've talked about prayer's importance, prayer being an invitation, prayer being an intersection, prayer's indebtedness. I want us also to see tonight prayer's inclusiveness. You'll notice something very interesting here. As, as Paul is talking to the church about prayer, he says, Look, I am urging you that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered for, on behalf of a certain kind of people? Some people? No. All people. All people. Everywhere. And as we've said before, all means all, and that's all all means. And so what God is wanting to do through prayer is really get us to expand big time the borders that we place on our lives as His children. What do I mean by that? Well, notice He goes on to say, oh, and pray for kings and all those in authority. So notice what God is doing with His children. He's saying, look, You might not ever meet these people. You might not ever have an audience with a political leader. You might not ever have an audience with some somebody in the world. And and not even somebody in power. He says, I want you to understand that that 
You can pray and you can talk to me about anyone in the world at any time over anything. That's how inclusive prayer is. It covers everything. That's why you and I can pray for people halfway across the world. And it's effective. Why? Because we don't need to physically be there. Prayer gets us there. We don't need to actually have an audience, say with our president, and ever get to the White House to be an influence. We can pray. And let's remember something here. Paul was urging the church at Ephesus to pray for their political leaders. And let's be reminded who the political leader was at this time in history when Paul was penning this. It was a guy by the name of Nero, head of the Roman Empire, who was so wicked that he murdered his own mother and brothers because he felt threatened by them. That's the kind of guy this guy was. And Paul's saying, pray for those kind of people. Pray for them. God can touch them through you. Pray. There is nothing, there's no one, there's no situation, there's nothing, no matter how far away it is, that you and I can't get close to through prayer. That's how inclusive it is, you see. That's how powerful it is. We so limit ourselves in our lives as the children of God because we stay sort of close to home most of the time in our prayers. And we don't realize that, like I said, Our prayers literally takes us beyond our physical limitations as human beings now on this side of glory and takes us beyond our our borders and our boundaries to be able to deal with situations and people and everything no matter where they are. That's how inclusive prayer is. So in other words, God is saying to all of us and to the church, there is no situation... That can't be prayed for. There's no person that can't be prayed for. There's nothing out there in this universe that God created that cannot be touched through prayer. It's like prayer gets us instantaneously there. Even though we might not ever actually physically be there. You see, that's the power of prayer. Prayer's inclusiveness. And Paul goes on to say, hey, part of the reason why I want you to pray for your political and government leaders in verse 2 is so that they'll leave you alone and not harass you so that you can continue to focus on what you should be focused on as a child of God. That's really what he's saying in verse 2. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. In other words, they won't harass us. They won't let us alone. They won't try to cut off our religious liberty. That they will let us worship the way we... He said, Pray about that so that so that you as Christian, hey, maybe they won't ever become a Christian. But they'll let you worship the way you choose to worship, you see. And then he says this such prayer, verse three, for how many? All is good and welcome before God our Savior. See, God wants us to understand that when we pray like this to God, when we when we're like so in touch with what God can do through prayer and how God can even change us through prayer by praying for anything and anybody, it puts a smile on God's face. That, um, I'm paraphrasing. That's Jeff Royce's paraphrase here. But that's really what he's saying. It's welcome. It puts a smile on God's face when we go to God and say, God, this is what I want to talk to you about. 
God's like, yes, they're getting it. They understand that, that anything and anybody in any situation can be touched through the power of prayer. That's how inclusive it is. Never think that something is too far out there for you and I to talk to God about and communicate with. That's simply not biblical. But then notice prayer's insight. In verse 4, he says, Since He, God, desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, he's going to go on and talk more about theology, really good theology, and that's why I sort of labeled this principle the insight of prayer. Because what prayer will do is we don't only gain good theology, if you will, through the study of God's Word. God is teaching us here we also gain good theology and keep on track theologically through our prayer life. God, again, if if we're using prayer to align ourselves with God, that as we study the Word and as we pray and as we listen to the Spirit... We will line up with God in the ways that we should and how we should think. And so he's saying, as you pray, there's no doubt that God is the Savior. He's the Deliverer. He's our Preserver. And and we need to look at God that way. And so that's going to be emphasized. We're going to leave prayer and our time with God a different person. We're going to remember, God wants to save. God wants to deliver. God wants to preserve. And it's going to affect us, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, of then how we get up from prayer and go on, our, go on our way, you see. And remember here, when he says God wants all people to be saved, which obviously contradicts with many, what many churches and many pastors and many, many ministries teach today, which is God only uh, saved those that were elect, or that God you know, chose certain people to go to heaven and certain people to go to hell, That's simply not biblical. That's contradicted very clearly here, even in this verse in 1 Timothy. The Bible clearly teaches it is God's will, God's desire that everyone be saved. That was God's wish. Now, obviously, that doesn't happen because God gives us a choice. But if it was up to God, everybody would have have come into heaven at some point. But then he moves beyond just salvation and says, and it's also God's strong desire that everyone come to a knowledge of the truth, which then goes beyond salvation to sanctification, to our our growing in our knowledge of God, which is what we're going to talk about on Sunday. And the fact that the only way I can come to a precise, accurate, correct knowledge of God is through spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. I'm not going to really know all I need to know about God and about my salvation the moment I become saved. So if I don't continue to head on a path of growth in my life, I will never come to a precise and accurate and growing knowledge of God. And that's just as much a desire of God as people being saved. Which ties in with the purpose of God in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and not just get people saved. Make disciples of all nations. Make them, build them into disciplined disciples who follow me. Devoted to me, you see. And that's what he's saying here. And then notice the insight into this theology that he shares with us. We won't be polytheists in our prayer time. We'll understand, no, God is one God. 
There is one and only one God. Yes, He exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But He is one God. We are monotheistic. And then He goes on to say, and there's only one way of salvation. Again, that will be confirmed as we spend time with God in prayer. One who intervenes and is the only one that can restore our relationship between us and God that was broken by our sin that we were born into. Christ Jesus, the God-man, the one who is the anointed Messiah, the Son of God, Christ Jesus, but Paul also says, but fully human. So you can see the theology that Paul is laying out here. And yet again, even Christians today, am I monotheistic or do I, am I, po-? they don't know. Is, isn't there more than one way to salvation? No, there's really not. Now it's open to all. God is not exclusive as far as who can be saved. Anybody can be saved, but they have to come God's way. Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in verse 6 to remind us that Jesus didn't get his life taken from him. He gave it up himself. He paid the price for our sin. He intervened and he died instead of us. He died in exchange for us. That's what Paul says. Which revealed the evidence of God's purpose at his appointed time. So you see here the insight that Paul is reminding us that we get how we stay in line with good theology and good doctrine and sound teaching, even as we pray. Listen, folks, if you and I have some erroneous doctrine or some bad theology in our life, and we spend a lot of time in prayer, I'm telling you, through prayer and through the leading of the Spirit and then the Spirit leading us back to the Word of God, we're going to get that corrected. We're going to get that corrected because that's one of the things that God does. He gives us insight into good theology and correct doctrine through our prayer time. A lot of times, Christians don't spend enough time again in prayer to again going back to even the intersection between heaven and earth for God to align them with Him and to allow Him to shape their heart to be like His. A couple more points tonight. We also see prayer's impression. Prayer's impression. For you'll notice, unlike, say, the monks... (laughs) or those who believe in a monastic lifestyle, living in a monastery where all they do is just sort of pray and, 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 you know, sort of keep to themselves, that Paul says, no. No, prayer will have such an impression upon me that when I get up from prayer, I'm going to want to continue to do what God wants me to do, which is to make Him known, to, uh, to make people know He's the Savior. And He wants everyone to come not only to Him as Savior, but to come to knowledge of the truth. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. He gave Himself for us. And we've got to get out there and let people know that. And So that's why Paul goes on here to say, that's why I was appointed an apostle. That's why, you know, 
I, I am a follower. That's why I'm teaching the Gentiles. Notice, it wasn't that Paul just then sat in prayer all the time. It was prayer prepared him and so made an impression upon him that as soon as his prayers were done, then he resumed his calling. He was energized, if you will, to get out there and continue being who God called him to be. A preacher, verse 7. An apostle, verse 7. And a teacher of the Gentiles, verse 7. See, Paul didn't look at prayer as being the end, but sort of just a continuation of a process that was always ongoing. Sort of like we teach here at the Oasis. Worship is not the end of itself, neither is the Word. They all tie together. The more I come and worship God, the more in my worship I will be drawn to the Word of God to learn more about God and prayer as well. The more I get into the Word, the more I pray, the more I want to come back. And obviously, as we saw tonight, prayer is even a part of worship and worship God more. And it's a, it's a circular thing. And the same thing is true with our prayer and our service and our ministry. The more we pray, the more we will understand the urgency then to get out there after my praying and to be who God called me to be and to serve and to minister and to, to, to live in such a way that we draw people to the Savior and draw people to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But then that, because we need to spend time with God and get away from our service and ministry to pray and spend time alone with God to be refocused and re-energized and recharged. That's why Jesus, to the disciples, he would send them out to minister and to serve. But then you notice in the, in the Gospels, once they came back, he said, now guys, let's, let's come apart for a little while. Let's go up into the mountain. Let's just spend time with our Heavenly Father and let's just get away and pray. And then once they did that, back into ministry and service. That's the way it went. And that's what you see here. That's the impression that prayer will make. That's why can I say that if you and I, and we're going to get ready to talk about this, if any local church truly would build an atmosphere and an environment of prayer, they'd never have any trouble getting enough volunteers and people and ministry and service. Because as Christians truly spend time in prayer, during that prayer time, they will get up from their prayer and go, i got to do something. I, I just can't keep just praying. I've, I've got to serve. I've got to minister. I've got to do something. And that's what we see happening here. That's what prayer will do. And then finally, verse 8, we see prayer's infiltration. Prayer's infiltration. Notice Paul says, I want the men... To pray in every place. Now again, context here. He's not saying, okay, I want the men of the church to go out into the world and pray on every street corner. Is it wrong to pray on every street corner? No. You and I can pray anywhere, at any time, about anything. We've already talked about inclusiveness. But in the context of this letter, he's specifically talking to Timothy to instruct the people of the church how to incorporate prayer within their body. And again, he's saying to the men of the church, men, you should take the leadership in this. Women can pray. And it's okay for women to pray publicly in church. And we invite women to pray. But men should take 
the leadership of this. And then when he says, in every place, what he's simply saying is this. That prayer should be, literally, the atmosphere or the environment of every local church. That it's almost like this. The the water, a pool. It's like, when you jump into the pool, you're, you're surrounded by the water. And it's just totally encompassing. And, and everywhere you and I would go in that pool, we're still surrounded by the water. We can't escape it. That's what Paul's trying to say here what, in every place. He's saying, let prayer, Timothy, pervade everything in your church. Everything. Don't let prayer be sort of the unusual thing that happens. Let prayer be such the, the thing in the church that it's the usual thing that's happening. So to take off on this, let me share with you for just a couple minutes in closing my dream for this. I would love to see, and there's a couple ladies here, Teresa and Anissa, who said we, we want to really start making prayer more of a, a priority in our church. And I... I supported them in this, and, and they're going to have a, actually a sign-up sheet uh, on the info table starting this Sunday for other people that are interested. But it's like I told them, I, I think that's great that they have a heart for this. I'm hoping some of our men will get on board with this as well. Because that's, that's the challenge here. Yes, women, let's get involved. But too often, the women are the ones that take the lead rather than the men in the church. And in the church, just like in the home... We are responsible before God to take the lead in this. But, but here's the goal. That prayer would be so pervasive at the Oasis that every Wednesday and every Sunday there would be people maybe praying with and praying for somebody before Bible study and after Bible study. That on Sunday there would be people that came early and prayed over the service and, and, and pray, we're praying with people before and after the service. And obviously we pray during the service. That everything we do as a church, that nothing is done without us also incorporating prayer into it. In fact, I've had some people ask me over the years, hey, when you and even the elders get together, do, do you pray? Yeah, we spend a lot of time in prayer. And every Sunday... Nicole and Crystal and and myself, we try to meet before the service on Sunday so that we can pray as well for the children's ministry and the worship team and the ministry of the Word. We are trying to build, as Paul said, an atmosphere and an environment where prayer is just always happening in every place. And it's not unusual to see A couple people over there praying and a couple people over here praying and and people coming to pray and just praying over the services and praying over the ministries and praying over one another and just making prayer again infiltrate everything, everywhere. Paul says that's the way prayer should be in a church. And I think Paul's saying to all of us, not only to Timothy and his church, but man, if If that took hold, if that took hold, can you imagine what could begin to happen in a church where prayer wasn't just sort of a a leftover? Something we do 
sort of to tack it on at the end of something, but where prayer really became the thing that just was always there, always happening in every place. So, you know, even on Sundays when, when people maybe feel led to come forward, I've always told those that I know have a heart for prayer, hey, be ready in your seat to maybe come and offer yourself. Maybe they just want to be there between them and God alone, but maybe they just want somebody to come along and put their arm around and just pray with them about something. It's, it's having that sensitivity towards one another and that heart for prayer that Paul's saying we need to develop as a church. Because if we can develop that as a church, that's also then going to make an impression on us individually. And prayer then will become a great, bigger priority in our own lives if it becomes a real priority in the church. So let's end in prayer tonight. Father, we we come to you, God, just understanding that even having this access to you is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way this way was open. And yet, God, you have reminded us tonight that human beings here on earth can bring anything and everything to the God of the universe. We might not ever have an audience with powerful, influential movers and shakers of the earth. But we've got something way better. We can talk to God about anything and everything. And we can bring anyone and any situation to you, God, at any time. God, may you use this passage tonight from 1 Timothy. Not only, Lord, to spark a a fire within each of us to First of all, pray. But Lord, help us as a church to continue to build and create an environment and an atmosphere of prayer within our church community. Where prayer is always happening. And where seeing people praying with others and for others is not something that's unusual. It's actually the norm. God, I thank you for the people in our church who have a heart for prayer. People who are always interceding and praying on behalf of this ministry and for one another. But God, I just pray that that would continue to grow and expand. God, help us to realize that we don't have to limit ourselves when it comes to our prayer life. That our prayers can literally touch anyone around the world at any time about anything. That's how far-reaching and all-inclusive prayer is. God, I pray that we might take the boundaries and the limits off of our prayer life tonight and might even begin to see prayer in a whole new way. Help us, God, to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.